14th of September, it's 6 o'clock, Friday the 14th of September 2018. It's time for an independent Wales. You're listening to Radio Yes Cymru. Yes, yes, yes Cymru Radio. Radio Free Wales. Yes, it's Sean Jobbins here live from Aberystwyth at the Saudi pub. You're welcome to come over. We've got two hours chock full of stuff for you. And this is the running order for the night. So starting off with Ellen Hav, she'll be talking about Catalonia. Then we'll have Benji from the Welsh Football Fans for Independence. He's coming live from Chidiga. Then we'll have Hugh Lewis, a lecturer here in Aberystwyth. He's talking about the path towards the referendums in Quebec in 1980 and 1995 and the mistakes or things we need to be careful of. Then we'll have Bethan and Talwin, two students here in Aberystwyth. They're setting up a Yes Cymru students branch here. Then Dr. Ellen Royals, again from Aberystwyth University, talking about identities in our school system. And then to finish off, we'll have Talat Chowdhury, who's a chair of Yes Cymru Aberystwyth and the mayor of Aberystwyth. And also Lleke Iron from Yes Cymru LTGB. So a night full of stuff for you and music as well. And we'll start off with a song by Geraint Rees. That's an athlete boy by living in Liverpool now and his song Visca da Terra.
Yes, get on trees there with Viscal Atena. Look, look, this is what we're going to do tonight, uh, people. We're going to be playing some international patriotic songs. So songs from across the, um, the world which are patriotic in different ways. So just to get things going, because we need to have a national movement which is full of songs like the Baltic States in the 1980s. So we want songs in Welsh and English promoting Wales or just about Wales. So that's a fantastic song by Geraint Rees, uh, Viscal Atena, Long Live the, the Country, if you like. And in front of us, we have Ellen Harv Griffith Jones. Now, Ellen Harv Griffith Jones makes me sick because not only does she speak Catalan and Basque and Spanish and French and Welsh, Tian Charles Sisnega. I hope she speaks English because I've never spoken English to her before. First time for everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so, Ellen is in a great position to tell us what's happening in Catalonia. Before I ask any questions, we want you to tweet uh, saying where you're listening for, if you're listening abroad or in Wales, or any questions you have. Or I'd like to say hello or get in touch also on Facebook. So at Radio Yes Cymru on Twitter, uh, Radio Yes Cymru on Facebook as well. So Ellen Croeso, as I said, um, speaks Catalan, very familiar with the country, been over there dozens of times. Mm. Also an expert on, um, on minority and language rights. Quickly, tell us, Ellen, what's happening in Catalonia now. We had the referendum a year ago, they declared independence, but mm, it didn't really quite happen. Well, a lot has happened since then, in the uh, 11 months since uh, the referendum on the 1st of October 2017. Perhaps the most significant thing that we ought to be remembering is the fact that two of the leaders of the Catalan movements in favour of independence, the two Jordis, so to speak, that they're still in prison along with another 14 uh, political leaders who are either in prison or in exile. So... I think that that's a very sobering thought in its in its own right, so to speak, because, you know, we're not looking at um, extremist politicians in any way here. We're looking at people who who, you know, the, who we know the equivalents of in yes. our own society. So we're not looking at very clandestine, very extremist, yeah, we are, we are you know, mainstream we are politicians. We're talking about your Adam Price's, your Carwin Jones's, your Mark Drakeford's, these are... Me- mainstream politicians, a lot of them are Christian Democrat, uh, yeah. which is just sort of like if you like soft Tory here or yeah. liberal. So as I say, they're not people on the extremes at all. No, uh, in- also including the former Speaker of yeah. the uh, Parliament of Catalonia. So what somebody who would correspond to, yeah. let's say, Ellen yeah, Jones exactly, yes. or. Lord Ellis Thomas, yeah, etc. Yeah. You know, so they're very mainstream politicians in Catalan terms. Um, so that's that's one major thing that's going on. And of course, the people in Catalan society are very indignant yeah. about that the fact that their elected leaders are in prison. So I think yeah. that's it's a very sobering thought, and it's something that that's an important part of the context of what's going on and it's there. Just, it is disgraceful that the European Union is slapping down Poland and has been and Verhofstadt, and I'm guessing maybe be because he's a Fleming and he's afraid of Flemish independence is doing absolutely nothing in terms of Spain and the treatment of the Catalan situation. The European Union as a whole is doing very little. Hmm. Um, some of the elected politicians are however taking some responsibility yeah. there. Uh, the Committee of the Regions, uh, the president there, he's been, he said a few things, uh, s- such as the fact that he doesn't think that um, the road to, to dialogue should be blocked any further, because we know that um, 
the Catalan leaders want to have dialogue, yep. whereas up to now, the Spanish government or the two Spanish governments that we've seen during the course of the past 11 months, they haven't been open to dialogue. And certainly the previous government was extremely close yep. to dialogue. So it's important that voices out there are saying to the current Spanish government, led by Pedro Sanchez of the Socialist Party, yep. It's important that voices are saying that you need to dialogue so with things Catalonia. So when the national our national assembly sends messages or Ellen Jones sends messages of support is actually important. Absolutely, I think um, if you look at the recent celebrations, uh, the recent protests on La Diada, yeah. the 11th of uh, September. Uh, more than a million people got to the streets of Barcelona on that day to show their, their desire to continue with the fight for the Catalan Republic. And um, for people attending that rally, it was very important to hear voices from, from the outside of Catalonia and from the outside of Spain as well. Yes, and it was good to see Neil McAvoy, the Assembly member, going out there as well. Because, I mean, all kinds of support is, is very important when you feel that the whole state and the, the system, if you like, is against them. So they've had a million people on the streets again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. This is the kind of thing they do annually out there in Catalonia. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just can't see Spain... I, I thought Spain was sending the tanks, tanks last year, and I think they would have done if the Catalans had risen to the bait and sort of retaliated and started throwing Molotov cocktails and stuff, which they didn't. And I think Spain was very angry with that because that didn't happen according to their game plan. But I can't see what's going to happen. Uh, well, at the moment, with, with the issue of the um, violence on, on the day of the uh, 1st of uh, October last year, there are a couple of uh, court uh, trials going on at the moment regarding the Spanish police and the way that they behaved. Yep. So I think that there are about five other Spanish uh, police officers who are either about to be uh, taken to, to, yep. to trial or who, are, who are, have just started uh, in the past couple of days. So something is being done about the level of uh, violence that the police used in order to control the crowd, so to speak. Um, and I think we're lucky in the fact that we're living in the day of um, citizen broadcasting, of the internet, yes. of mobile phones, where people are able to carry in their pockets the devices that well, will allow uh, you had, to... Yes. Had it happened in the 1970s, yeah. there would have been bloodbath, I think. There would have been certainly deaths. Well, certainly the internet helped to keep the peace on that day and also to provide the evidence of um, undue use of violence where, where that took place. You know, So I think it's quite important that uh, channels of communication remain open and part of that is that the international community um, has a role to play in the future of politics in Catalonia right. and in Spain. Okay, so are they going to hold another referendum for independence? Well, um, one of the speakers at the La Diada rally on, on uh, Tuesday this week was uh, Ben Emerson, and he's, uh, he's British and he's the international lawyer representing the, uh, some of the prisoners, some of the um, political prisoners, and uh, he's taking the Catalan case to the United Nations. So he was talking on, on Tuesday and saying that he thought that this would be the last Diaz yeah. that would be held under Spanish rule, so to All speak. Right. So he was, he was suggesting very clearly that he thought 
that by this time next year, that Catalonia would be an independent republic. Now, the route for that, according to what he was saying, is that he's taking a case against the Spanish state or the, against the Spanish government um, um, who have not upheld the political rights of the elected politicians who have become prisoners uh, and also uh, they have not upheld the political rights of the citizens who wanted to vote in that, yeah. in that ballot. So he thinks that'll get passed and then because of that automatically Catalonia can declare itself an independent according to the referendum of the 1st of October. That, that's, that's the way he was projecting okay. it uh, earlier I think this that's week. very optimistic. <laughs> I tend to agree with you, yeah. Sean, but because these things take so much longer and they need a certain sort of political impetus and contextual sort of luck, if yeah. you like, um, and we don't know where that's going to come from, but certainly as time goes on, these sort of court cases that have been uh, put forward uh, will be will be resolved and at the same time we've got the court cases coming up possibly this autumn of the political prisoners who are yeah, being held this reminds me a bit in Spanish jails or oh, in, in Catalan jails reminds by me a now. bit in a less bloody way of course of when the rebels in 1916 in Ireland they kicked off once they started killing them and in a way Spain's biggest mistake is to imprison people because it's very way difficult to get out, out of that without backing down and it creates a momentum of itself. Well, I know that some Spanish politicians have said they want to see the army sent into yeah. Catalonia. Um, but I think that, you know, I, f I feel, you know, I know that the situation there is pretty uh, grim, but I think that we have to always remember that nobody has been uh, killed or really significantly injured mm. Uh, in in the course of of this political change, if you like, and that's that's a very very important um, principle of the Catalan independentist yes. movement, um, and also in fairness to the uh, Spanish state, yeah. um, we know of some injuries that have taken place, and of course some of them are very serious, um, but um, you know. We also know that we're, we're still in a situation where it's a uh, where there has been no bloodshed. Yes, honestly, maybe. Uh, question here from um, Gaynor: um, What's the feeling when the Catalans were against independence in Catalonia? I mean, how does it work in Catalan society? Well, I think that um, we can look at Catalan society perhaps in in three groups. Possibly, yep. we have people who are in favour of independence and who are in favour of the right to self-determination. Yep. So that's a significant chunk of the population. Yeah. And, that's, and that population um, made its voice uh, heard in the, in the last elections that were held in December, yeah. and their voice is really represented by the government now yeah. because they won the, the, the majority uh, to work in the, in the parliament. Um, then there's another group of, of within Catalan society which is really the group of people who think that there should be the right to self-determination, yeah. but they're not necessarily yes. in favour of independence. They may even be against independence, but yeah. in favour of the right yes. to self-determination, or they may be you know, undecided and they want to keep their options open. And then thirdly, there's a group of people who are against self-determination, 
and also against right. independence. So Catalan society is, um, is composed of more than one political opinion and yeah. more than one voice. I'll have to declare what I think at the moment. I'm not part of pa Catalan society, yeah. so I don't think really it's up to me whether yeah. they become independent or not. Independent or, or not, I don't have a view on Catalan independence, but I do have a view on the right to self-determination, and I think that you know, um, it, it it it's out there in the United Nations Charter, you know, that people have a right to self-determination. So I'm supporting the right of the Catalan people to have that self-determination, to have that vote. I'm, you know, it's up to them. It's entirely up to them whether they want to take independence or not. Right. Okay. I think we're going to draw the discussion to a close there. Thanks, Ali. I think the message is the Catalans needs support to have the democratic right to vote. Yeah, and that's, th that's that needs to be upheld. Yeah. So anything Welsh politicians do, as MPs, Assembly members, is uh, listened to and is certainly taken on board by the Catalans, and things like just the general public giving them support. Yeah, and I think equally as well, you know, a lot of people uh, go to Spain, to parts of Spain that are not Catalonia, and I think that, you know, it's really important for people who are living outside Catalonia, but in other parts of Spain, yeah. to hear how we see things from yeah. our perspective here, because, I mean, for most people here, it sounds completely unreasonable to try and stop a democratic vote from... Yes from happening, whereas for a lot of people who are living in Spain who see it from their perspective, they think that that referendum was unlawful and therefore yeah. it's, it's perfectly correct yeah. to, to imprison the, um, the political leaders, you yeah. know. So I think it's really important to keep these avenues of dialogue open, regardless of anyone's political opinions and our views on independence or not. Right, we could have a song by U.S. Yak. Correct. Which is spelled with double L's. It's not F, don't get excited. It's Y. Um, maybe from the dark L in Latin. <laughs> but um, he's going to sing his very famous song, Les Dancia, which is about basically a mule being tied to a post and then you pull and pull and the post falls down. Am I right? It's not about a mule. No, but it's about people. People, people sorry. being tied to, <laughs> to <laughs> a... Uh, to a big post, uh, yeah. And uh, that's <laughs> the song by U.S. Jack, which is sung in all the political um, rallies over there. You'll, you'll be familiar with the song. And then hopefully, if we're clever, we'll have a... Ellen has also translated the song from Catalan into Welsh. We'll have a clip so of Ellen singing the song, so we'll yeah. see how it goes. Yeah, do you Thank you. 
singing the Welsh version of El Estancia, which is about the people tied to the post and they pull and pull and eventually it come down, which is great. And this is part of the theme of the programme tonight is we need to be translating or adapting good foreign protest songs into Welsh or into Welsh context in English and get things going here. We've had a question on Twitter. Oh, before that, sorry, Geraint Trees. 
He's a jack. He's not a Turk. He's from Swansea, not Nestle. I know these things are very sensitive. I don't want any Twitter abuse. But the, uh, get entries. Fantastic song. Uh, Terra la, Vizca la Terra. He's a Swansea man, not a, a Nestle boy. Um, so, but we had a question on Twitter from Phil Davis. Thanks, Phil, for getting in touch with us. Uh, what does Ellen think the impact of the current Catalan situation will be on Basque and Gian Galician aspirations? Is there going to be a domino effect? Well, of course, I think this is one of the things that's worrying um, Spanish nationalists in particular as well, that, you know, this will be the beginning of the end of Spain. Um, of course, it has, it has given a, a, a boost to the um, independentist movements in, in, in the Basque country, certainly, and the Basque country is supporting uh, Catalonia uh, by and large in this process, so I think it has reinvigorated things there as well. Um, on the whole, the, the difference between the Basque, Basque nationalism in the past and, and Catalan nationalism is that Basque nationalism has been traditionally much more popular, if you like, within the Basque uh, electorate okay. than, has, than Catalan nationalism has or Cas Catalan independentism has. Yeah. So... Um, so what, where we've seen a rise in Catalan uh, in the Catalan independentist movement over the past ten years, yeah. that has probably now surpassed uh, the appetite for independence in the Basque country, right. because you know we're getting into uh, high figures there too. So um, I think it will we'll have to see what happens over the next twelve months. I think, but um, at the moment we've got Catalan political prisoners, and that's something that. You know, the Catalans are not used to at all. If people are listening here and they'd like to know more about Catalonia, mm. what would you suggest they'd follow or read or get in touch with? I think the, uh, one of the best sources, if you're not reading uh, Spanish or Catalan, I think one of the best sources is VilaWeb, yep. English pages. VilaWeb.cat. Um, VilaWeb.cat, that's right. Also, there are English language pages on ARA, dot cat a r a r a dot cat um you can see some um english language sections in um in a few others in um el nacional as well and that's el nacional with a c dot cat again um and then as well i think if you're following if you're following the um international press i mean don't limit yourself to the um, the British press, no. if you like, look at what's happening in English language versions of French newspapers or German newspapers yeah. as well, and of course look over the Atlantic to see what the Washington Post is saying. Um, I've got actually a Welsh language uh, translation of a Catalan short story right. in the current edition of Or Pedwar Gwynt. Yes. And that story is called in Catalan um, La Manifestación Infinita, in Welsh, A Protest the Dervin. Yes. And that gives you a good insight into, into a lot of aspects of, of Catalan society and what's happened over the past 10 years. And it's, if, if it's focused on going to one of the La Diada protests. Um, and I think that that short story will also be published... Uh, next year in English 
in a collection by Parthian. So, I mean, don't limit yourself to, <laughs> to factual either, because reading fiction also gives you an insight well, into what's we'll happening. I'll try and do on our Twitter account. We'll try and retweet Ellen and Mary singing Lestacia in Welsh. Lestacia. Lestacia. <laughs> and also maybe try and retweet uh, or Pedro Gwynt article as well. Yeah. Right, I know, Ellen, Diochvar, thanks a lot for coming in tonight into the Llewdy. Gracias, Sean, gracias. gracias. Yeah. And uh, you're welcome to pop into the Llewdy and, and say hello to us. Um, I know we got Benji on the phone. Uh, he's been in Catalonia. He was on, in the Liadiada. He was in Denmark last weekend for the Wales match. And he was also, I know, in the, the Wales match in Ireland because I met him there for the first time. And he's one of these fantastic boys who's behind the Welsh football fans for independence. So we hopefully, with a, the, the magic of technology, Benji's on the mobile phone. We're going to stick a mic in front of your mouth, Benji, and hope it works. Are you there, Benji? Hello? I'm not hearing anything. Right, I, I was... There's something... Are you kidding? We can't hear you there, can you? Right, hello, Benji, are you there? I tell you what, we'll go to a song and we'll sort this out and we come back to Benji from Welsh Football Fans for Independence. Uh, the next song is, oh, this is a fantastic Irish song, On the One Road. There has to be a Welsh version of this, either in Welsh or in English or both. And it's exactly the kind of song we could be singing at football matches and rugby matches in, in pubs. So this, I think, is a Wolf Tones version of On the One Road.
Yes, Cymru Radio. Radio Free Wales. Yes. Yes, you're listening to Radio Yes, Cymru, the station for independent Wales. And that was a wolf tones with their vision of on the one road and be great as someone wrote a Welsh language version or English version for Wales of that song. It's just the kind of song we could sing in pubs in, and in football matches. And talking of which, on the line, hopefully we have Benji from Judega. Hello. Are, are you there, Benji? Hello? So let, maybe he, maybe you can ask him how it's gone in, in Catalonia again or... Hello, Benji. Hello. Right. Try again. How did it go in Catalonia? He, he can't hear me. He can't hear you. Hello. Okay, sorry. Hang on. How did it go in Catalonia, Benji? Catalonia. I was there for a couple of days. It went absolutely fantastic. Really, it did. Yeah. And uh, before we get, and um, did you did you go on the match down in the, the million million strong match in Barcelona? Yeah, yeah, right at the front of it. They had an international section at the very front of it with the speakers, you know, and they had uh, the the lawyers and different people involved and Catalan politicians speaking at the very front and that's where they had the international section so they were they saw our Welsh flags and were like dragging us down the front they were yeah excellent like before we get on we need to know who you are Benji where you're from you know we're Welsh these kind of questions people want to know and have you always been a Welsh national is it a new thing for you and how did you get into Yes Cymru? Uh, who I am? Uh, well, I'm Andrew Benjamin from Tredega uh, in Blaenau Gwent. Yep. I'm a football fan. I'm a season ticket holder with Murphy Town Football Club. Right. And I uh, follow Wales home and away. I've done for, well, away regularly for six years, but I've been away before then as well. Yeah. And obviously, I obviously support uh, independence for Wales. And I suppose I've been what you would call a nationalist since my uh, teenagers. And you had the fantastic, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you and some of me said the fantastic idea of setting up a Welsh fans for independence, am I right? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. And then you've got a Twitter page and a Facebook page. Tell us briefly what kind of things you have done and what your plans for the future. Okay, uh, what we have done is uh, we only formed at uh, the end of June, start of yep. July, so like two, three months ago. So there hasn't been much time, you know, it's, it's only September now. Yeah. But um, we basically, I started here in Tredega, having spoken to a couple of my friends. You know, I've been a supporter of independence for years. Yeah. But I suppose events in Catalonia and Scotland yeah. and in particular the growth of Yes Cymru yeah. have prompted me to actually do something, you know, myself, yeah. which you should do with everyone. And obviously being a football fan that wants independence, it seemed like the natural thing to do to start something with football and supporting independence. Because I think this is the fantastic thing with uh, Yes Cymru as a movement. It's a grassroots movement. People are getting off their back and doing stuff without waiting for permission or a committee to decide it or a strategy or something. People like yourself, Benji, people now in the rugby world are doing the same, getting together, getting stuff on Twitter and Facebook, getting people together, then organising events. So we've started to meet up, if I'm, if I'm correct. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I've spoken to quite a lot of the rugby people as well. I mean, one of the boys who started the Scarlets for Independence page, Greg, yeah. he's the one who did the design for the flag that I've been taking to Denmark and took to Catalonia. So we, you know, we are sort of communicating with each other, and we, I, I didn't ask for anyone's permission to start this group off. No. I just got it done and hope that other people would get involved which they have you know in in their droves really like you know, yeah it's so, really picked yeah. up and um and uh, the great uh, uh, mr flag the flag makers in swansea told us to make sure they get a mention because they made the fantastic flag uh, which you've been flying so the mention for mr flag if you're looking for flag he was the mr flag people um because there was a little match before the wales island match on thursday i took part in it, walking from Wimbledon street in Cardiff down to the sta- stadium. Next time, don't get someone from the valleys to lead because we are lost. So that was a. <laughs> but it was a great. But it was a great get together. I've been there quite early in the day, yeah. hoping to like wel- welcome other people that I've yeah. never met before, who wanted to join us. It's yeah. our, our first sort of like gathering. Yeah. And uh, when we left the pub, we were all we'd all had you know one or two pints. And I was one of the last ones to leave, and I noticed everyone had turned left and the planned route for the month before to being to turn right and go through St Mary Street. But yeah. I didn't have the heart to tell the boys from no. Pontypool we were going the wrong way because no. they were they had the big massive flags on uh, the yeah. poles and everything. I thought, ah, whichever way we go, it's going to make an impact. So but but it's great because on. it's bringing people together, and I think. The Welsh national movement has been a bit snobby in the past. It's all saying if you're not writing a policy or if you can write poetry or you're very good at writing manifestos and stuff, and you just basically want to you show your your heartfelt desire for independence, it's not quite good enough. And things are happening with Yes Company now. People are getting together, and all different shades of people and different ways of communicating and expressing their desire for independence, being through football or rugby or music, and that's for me the the great thing about the Yes Company movement. Oh, absolutely. And I, I'm a member of Yes Cymru myself. Obviously, the yeah. Welsh Football Fans for Independence is a separate but yeah. closely related yes. group. But uh, the good thing about the Welsh Football Fans as well is that we can, I think, uh, represent, hopefully can represent a group that might even not be in that group. Yeah, you, know exactly. what I mean. yes. you know, we are just football fans who want yeah. independence for Wales. Yeah. So where's the political parties and then you've got Yes Cymru, I think yeah. on an even different scale, you've got sports fans who support independence yeah. and I don't claim to be any type of academic or, you know, I don't yeah. write papers on economics for Wales or yeah. anything. I just support independence for Wales. Yeah. And I think we got a, a market to aim for there. Exactly. And I think other people agree with me on that because since we've started this, yeah. you've got uh, like Swansea fans for independence, Wrexham yes. fans for independence, Scarlet fans for yeah. independence, lots of different it's fantastic. teams as exactly. well. So, so yeah. what 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 are the um, what are the the plans? What would you like to see happening next with the uh, Welsh fans for independence? Uh, well, what we are doing next. I mean, it's still very early days, and I don't want it to yeah. sound like it's just my ideas, because obviously the more people we're, exactly. we're sort of letting it grow organically and hoping more people will get involved. Yeah. 
and so far it's been brilliant you know people have been contacting me offering to help design things whether online or flags or to translate things because yeah. i can't do those things yeah. you know and uh but next things we've got planned is obviously you know about the island march the first game that's been since we started yeah and uh well our next match is in October versus Spain in the Millennium Stadium in right. Cardiff. Yes. Or the Principality, they call yeah. it now. And uh, we'll be meeting in the same place, the Moon, and on the street outside it. Yeah. And it's so right in the city centre, so I'm yeah. sure lots of other people can join us. Yeah. And, uh, well, it'd be nice, from my point of view, if we could show a bit of support and some solidarity to our friends in Catalonia. Of course, exactly. We deserve it. Well, look. Uh, Benji, thanks for making time to uh, speak to us tonight. Uh, we'll retweet uh, your email, your uh, Twitter account, and put, put something on Facebook as well, so people can join you and follow and get part of the action. So that'd be great to see more people taking part and maybe for getting their local football club or their local rugby club to, to have a sort of branch, if you like, of supporting the independence movement. Yeah, that'd be great, yeah. Lovely. Thanks for taking your time, and we'll speak to you again, I'm sure, Benji. All right, OK. OK, see you, bye. ta -da. Okay, the next song is going to be a song called uh, Belarus Freedom by Lapis Trubiatsky. This is quite interesting. I chose this because Belarus is independent. And you look at the video of this, which you'll post, post online as well, um, it's almost as if they're not. So if you imagine Wales becoming independent, like tomorrow, and Neil Kinnock is the Prime Minister of Wales, who had no in intention of being independent, no great love for it, that to some extent is what's happening in in. Belarus. So they're still, if you like, fighting for independence and language rights within the state which is independent. But it's a cracking song, and after this we'll have uh, Dr. Hugh Lewis.
Yes, Cymru Radio. Yeah, probably the first time a Belarusian song has been played on a Welsh radio station. That was uh, Lapis Trubiatsky with Belarus Freedom. Basically, even when we get independence, I think we'll still be fighting for our rights, and that's basically what that song is about. Um, remember, you're welcome to tweet us and get in touch and ask any questions or tell us where you're listening from. That'd be it's always uh, nice to hear from. And uh, you can also listen to this as a podcast after this programme is finished, hopefully. So, in front of me, you have Doc- Dr. Hugh Lewis, who's a lecturer here at the International Politics Department in Aberystwyth, the UK's oldest International Politics Department, if I'm right, yeah. founded after the First World War. Yeah, in 1919, so centenary year this year. Yeah. So, um, Hugh has been a specialty on situation in Quebec and how things happened there. Maybe some things which be of interest to people in Wales and in Scotland, I've seen a few people in Scotland retweeting this. So, he would tell us briefly, there were two referendums. We hear a lot about Catalonia, we hear a lot about Scottish referendum, but the one maybe people forget now, there were two ba- uh, referendums for Quebec, independence for Quebec, one in 1980 yes, yes. and then one in 1995. So just talk us through that, how ha- that happened. Okay. So, yeah, because in a way, if you go back to the mid-90s, Quebec would have been the case yes. which we think of in terms of Catalonia today, and I suppose it's fallen out of... Uh, the news and fallen out of the debate uh, in more recent years. If you take the first referendum, the one held in 1980, in a way, to trace what led to that, you need to go back to the 1960s. Uh, the 1960s in Quebec, uh, it's a period that's described as the Quiet Revolution. Yeah. And essentially, it's a, a decade of economic, social and political change in, in Quebec, a process where the province, which up until then had been seen as quite a underdeveloped, conservative in terms of its social values uh, went through a, a process of social modernization and uh, originally led by uh, the provincial uh, but federal leaning liberal party um, but that led among uh, many different things to a shift in terms of identity uh, a shift from a francophone identity which was expressed mainly in terms of a pan-canadian french canadian right, okay mainly ethnic identity focused on language and religion. Uh, A shift and a more territorial sense of identity focused on the territory of Quebec. Because it's important to remember, there are French-speaking territories uh, outside Quebec, in New Brunswick, but also in in Ontario as well. Yes, yes. So the the sort of French is spoken to different degrees across Canada. Uh, Traditionally, Quebec has been sort of... The, 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 the most uh, populated and most demographically heavy area okay. of French speakers. But what you see in that, pro- in that period in the 1960s is a shift in terms, particularly in Quebec, in terms of how this identity was conceived and the idea of a national identity focused yeah. on the territory of Quebec uh, becoming more prevalent. And that was one of the offshoots of this process of a quiet revolution. And one of the results of that was by 1968, the formation of uh, the first nationalist party, the Parti Québécois. Yeah. And that's the process that was the beginning or the origins of the process that led to uh, the referendum in the, in the early 80s. Uh, the Parti Québécois gradually increased its support and then, quite surprisingly, uh, took power in the 1976 yeah. election. And that was on a manifesto that promised to hold a referendum on independence towards the end of its term. Right. Uh, and that term some of the first pieces of legislation passed included the uh, famous or infamous, depending on your political position, Bill 101, yeah. the, uh, the, the important French language legislation in Quebec. So 
it was the result of that first PQU government that uh, the 1980 referendum was held. Um, significantly, in terms of thinking back to Quebec, uh, Catalonia, and Ellen's conversation earlier, and also thinking with Scotland, uh, it was a referendum held, sort of, with the agreement of the Canadian state. Yeah. But arranged internally within Quebec. Yeah. So it wasn't uh, a process similar to what we had in the UK, where the the central government and the devolved government came to agreement and in a way shared the power. Right. It, there was an agreement across the political spectrum in Quebec, and this has remained the case, uh, even among those who are federalists, yeah. that if there's a referendum on independence, it's a matter for Quebec. Right, okay. So it's the, it's the Quebec government that calls the referendum yeah. and organises it, and then the Canadian government was a participant in the no campaign. Yeah. Then. Um, running up to that referendum, there was a general feeling of hope among uh, the advocates for sovereignty, as they yeah. as they say in Quebec. They saw the 70s as a period where Quebec and ideas of Quebec identity had been firming and the nationalist movement had been gathering pace. And so the 80 referendum was seen as something that would culminate yeah. that process. But the result came as quite a disappointment, and that was quite a clear victory for uh, the Remain or the yeah, no vote, yeah. where the 40% vote for... Yeah. independence and then it was quite then until 1975 when it was very 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 close yeah yeah well in a way the the period after uh, the 1980 vote was a period of internal reflection for the Parti Québécois I suppose it's important to remember that it didn't harm their prospects as a party of government in the short term because soon after uh, the 1980 referendum they won a majority government again in Quebec and continued right. to govern uh, they were led by uh, Rémy uh, Lévesque, who's seen as a prominent sort of father figure in terms of Quebec yeah. national, modern Quebec nationalism. Um, and the period after the 80 referendum was a period where there was internal debate and Lévesque himself promoted a policy of trying to reaccommodate themselves with the Canadian Federation and, if you like, giving the Canadian Federation one more go. Yeah. Um, he turned it the beau risque. So the risk of trying Canada one more time. Right, and okay. That created some division. Um, and the mid-80s was a period where the PQ f fell out of power and the, the, the Quebec Liberals took power once again. Um, but it was also a period where there was substantial structural changes taking place in terms of Canada's federal constitution. And it's in that process that you see the roots of what led to the 95 referendum. Yeah. Uh, the early 80s uh, was the period where you had Pierre Trudeau, uh, the Canadian government's and prime minister. And father of Justin. Yeah, father of Justin, yes, the, yeah. the current Canadian prime minister. Important in terms of Quebec nationalism because someone from Quebec, from Montreal, yeah. but sort of the representative of the pan-Canadian federalism yes. uh, that's very much opposed to any idea of Quebec nationalism. Um, one of the key elements in his programme for government was uh, constitutional reform and, if you like, bringing the constitution back from Westminster. Right. Uh, and that took place in the early 80s. And the process involved establishing a bill of, Canadian Bill of Rights was sort of seen with some uh, suspicion in Quebec because of the way that it uh, was seen as giving superior power to Canadian courts over the Quebec system. Yeah. and also centralising the federal structure of government and sort of unifi unifying provinces 
and in Quebec being seen as a process by which Quebec was formalized as one province among others. Yeah, so to, ma to make province, yeah, to make province uh, Quebec just like another French yes. uh, Canadian province, but just happen to speak French. Th that that's really key. That's a really key point to think about when you try and think of the background of the debates and the hostility around the recognition of Quebec within Canada. You have two diametrically opposed viewpoints, where generally across the board in Quebec, whether it's nationalist-leaning and sovereignty-supporting uh, politicians or yeah. figures or federalists, there's an agreement that Quebec should be seen as a nation and that Canada should be seen as, if you like, an agreement between two founding nations, the English-speaking right. and Quebec as yeah. the home of the French-speaking. The indigenous nations tend to get forgotten in, yeah, in the yeah. conversation, which is uh, another... Uh, another discussion entirely but um, that's the root if you like of the de constitutional debates that took place since the early 80s and Quebec have continually um, Quebec, con Quebec governments PQ and Liberal continually refuse to acknowledge that original constitution because the way it's seen as not uh, giving expression in different constitutional forms to Quebec's identity as a nation within yeah. Quebec within um, Canada so and it was arguments over that and attempts to resolve that fundamental disagreement that eventually led uh, to the 95 referendum. Uh, you had several attempts to try and broker a, a constitutional compromise yeah. and it involved a, a pan-Canadian referendum where that was rejected, yeah. uh, an acknowledgement of Quebec as a distinct society as yeah. they termed it. Uh, and that was very much in Quebec seen as sort of a rejection by the rest right. of Canada. And so... Um, uh, the PECU government won in 94 with the promise of holding a referendum very soon. Yeah. And uh, they, they lost very narrowly. They, they could have just about won it in the, in the last few months. Yes. Uh, yes. Last weeks, yes. rather. Yes. So what happened then? So we won't go... It's very... It's basically it's 49%, 4 and 51, even closer yes. than that. Yes. Yes. So yes. what happened after that then? I mean, what happened to the national movement there? Well, again, sort of with that referendum... Um, almost in contrast to the 81, the beginning of the campaign was one where the polls were not very promising and there was an expectation maybe they wouldn't win. But the campaign, and that's an interesting comparison with Scotland again, the campaign made a big difference. And there was a big shift in the opinion during the, the campaign leading to the 95 referendum. It, um, it shows also how important individual leaders are. Yeah. Because uh, the, the Yes campaign in the 95 referendum tactically shifted the leadership and Lucien Rochard, who became uh, an important figure in Quebec politics in the 90s, took over and was seen as leading a, uh, an effective campaign, sort of in comparison to someone like Salmond in Scotland. In, in yeah. So the lessons for someone like Wales or Catalonia is when you need a, a mass campaign... Mm. But you also do need your champions, people, individual people. So The campaigns matter, and I think the Quebec experience shows, and the Scottish experience shows, that in individuals, individual leaders um, can uh, make a difference. Yeah, so it's not just about politics, it's not uh, policies, it's not just about a, a mass movement of people. Individuals actually make a difference yes, in this thing. Yes, because it's a political campaign at the end of the so day. So where they are, they, like Quebec nationalism, is it, on, it's, is it on its back now? Is it just given up? I mean, it's going to be difficult to have a third referendum. I, yeah, I don't know, maybe yeah. it will. I think there, there are different considerations. The, the, the short-term result of the 95 one wasn't particularly harmful for the nationalist movement, and in particular the PQ, because once again, the subsequent election, they won, 
and they continue to govern in Quebec yeah. until 2001. The period since then has been much more difficult. Um, since 2001, I think I'm right in saying they've only formed one subsequent government, yeah. and it's the the Liberal uh, the Liberal Party in Quebec that have held sway. Um, I think the period following the referendum for some was seen as one where okay. The vote had gone from 40% to 49.4. Yeah. Maybe one more generational yeah. shift will yeah. get us over the line. That was seen as uh, the view in some quarters. What you've seen since then is maybe the, the shift in terms of generational opinion, particularly among young voters, isn't as would have expected. And it's not sort of the increase in support for independence among young, young Quebecers since the, the mid-90s isn't what some supporters would have hoped for. Uh, in the days so they basically accommodated with Canada. The, the language rights have been more or less sorted out in Canada. Uh, I think. Quebec, I think. I think. I think. Cro- I think. There's something to say about that. Sort of the the embedding of the different language regime in Quebec and and the way that that has gradually been accepted by the rest of Canada and not seen as the source of yeah. such contention. Uh, the 80s was a period where you had continual um, Supreme Court cases challenging the Quebec language legislation. So there's some kind of gradual accommodation. Um, I think the closeness of the result is also something that has to be taken into account and the experience of that particular campaign. Um, since 95, it's not uh, unfamiliar for you to get public polls in Quebec where when people are asked, do they support independence... They say yes, but then if they're asked, do they want another referendum, they say no, (laughs) because of the experience of the referendum. Um, So I suppose mm, the point about going for it a third time is is something that Quebec experience raises questions about. On the other hand, I think what you see from Quebec is that once a referendum on independence is held... Yeah. I think you see a shift in terms of the dynamic, in terms of it's a viable option. Yeah. Once, once the referendum is held, it's suddenly a viable option. It's moved from being on the margins to being something that's actively been discussed. Uh, maybe that's the lesson from Scotland as well, isn't it? Yes, yes. Um, it's so difficult to what you're saying here, we just could afford to lose one referendum <laughs> in independence and it wouldn't be too bad. Well, I don't know. I suppose, I suppose our, our experience of losing referendums yeah. is very different in terms of if it's an 80 to, 80 to, yeah. 80 to 20% as in 1979, that may be very different. Yeah. But um, I think you see the lessons that you can take from Quebec and also comparing with Scotland is that it doesn't necessarily follow that the party, and it's usually a political party that yeah. has to be there to actually call the referendum. Um if a nationalist party that calls a referendum doesn't lead a winning campaign, it doesn't follow that they necessarily lose support in the subsequent election. Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily follow as well that uh, a no vote leads straight away to a fall in support for independence. Yeah. Um, the 80 referendum in Quebec did lead to a fall. Um, 95, you held the, you saw the support hold firm for a while, but yeah. subsequently yeah. it fell off the agenda. Um, the other interesting question is in terms of how the central state responds to a referendum vote, particularly yeah. if that's a close vote. Um, the experience in Scotland was, in the last days of the campaign, there were big promises of constitutional reform, and there have been some efforts yeah. since then, but you could argue that Brexit has taken over. Um, 
Quebec, I, I suppose the experience was slightly different. Um, after the 95 vote, you could term that the federal government's response wasn't really one of accommodating and seeking to uh, consider constitutional reform and further autonomy for Quebec to uh, a sage calls for sovereignty, but rather uh, the main measure passed by the federal government was the Clarity Act. And the Clarity Act is infamous among Quebec nationalists, which says that in the future, uh, there must be uh, an agreed question passed by, I think I'm right in saying, the Canadian Electoral Commission, yeah. uh, that it must lead to a clear vote in favour. And it's seen as an effort by the Canadian government to begin to take the control of the referendum process yeah. away from Quebec, which is seen as something illegitimate. Right. In We're going to have to leave it there, I'm afraid, Hugh. Sorry, I was but going no, into no, lecture. No, <laughs> no, thanks, Dr. Hugh uh, Lewis from the International Politics Department here in Aberystwyth. Talking about the Quebec uh, referendum, the two Quebec referendum, and, you know, there's pros and cons of things to think about here in Wales and in Scotland and in other places. We're going to go to a song next. It's a Garen Jarmaning song called Ethiopia Newydd, New Ethiopia, which isn't really about Ethiopia, but it's about Wales uh, reinventing itself. And then we'll come back and we'll speak to some students who are setting up a Yes Cymru branch here at the University in Aberystwyth. Stay with us.
Hold your land uh, as we try and build a new Wales. Um, you're listening to me, Sean Jobbins. I'm with Radio Yes Cymru. We've got about an hour left of the programme. Uh, we've had a nice Twitter, nice message for Dr. Hugh Lewis, who's still in the studio, <coughs> studio being in the Saudi <laughs> Kirby Nabrestrith, uh, at Swansea Passion. Have you been paying someone here? It's a very suspicious tweet here. Professor Hugh Lewis was my supervisor for my dissertation on the Welsh Assembly at Aber. He was very impressive, Professor. Delighted to hear his thoughts on this subject. Sounds very dodgy to me, Hugh, but um, we'll take that. So, Diochavar, thanks for Swansea passion. It's great to have some feedback on the programme. Um, right, we're going straight ahead. I've got two scruffy students in front of me. No, they're not <laughs> scruffy. They're very well turned out. Uh, it's um, Bethan. Hello. Hello. Uh, Talwin. Hello. Ta- Bethan, you're from Cardiff. Yes. Part of school, Contav? Uh, no, Plasma. Plasma, boo. <laughs> <laughs> and Talwin, you're from Brittany. I am indeed. Cornish, half Breton. Okay, comes Bretonic. Yeah, it's the comes Bretonic, yes. I am. And in uh, Talwin, Beth, what's your surname? Budi. And where in Brittany? Frugastel. Frugastel. So we need to get very specific. On <laughs> <laughs> Welsh people need to have specifics of different programs, where people are from. Right, the great thing here is. And this is a wake-up call to all students listening out there. Aberystwyth have beaten you, and they've set up the Yes Cymru student branch here at the university. So a big hand, a big uh, clap for the Aberystwyth people. <laughs> 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 so, uh, Bethan, you know, 
begin with you, why did you get involved with Yes Cymru to begin with? What inspired you to get involved with it? Um, I joined Yes Cymru because I have always believed in the idea of an independent Wales, uh, given the fact that we have our own language, our own culture and our own history. And studying Welsh history at university uh, for me really reinforced the fact that Wales has its own separate history, a history which is not being taught in our schools. I certainly wasn't. Um, But the teaching of Welsh history at university level opened my eyes uh, to the real injustices that our country has faced as a result of being... Uh, of, of not being an independent country. Um, so, for example, you have the Acts of Union of 1536 and 1542, uh, the Blue Books and the subsequent use of uh, the Welsh Knot in schools, uh, Trewerin during the 50s and the 60s, um, and then you have uh, the government's proposals uh, to dump radioactive waste in rural Wales during the 1970s and the building um, of British Cold War instalments uh, here on Welsh soil. Um, and most recently, re- the renaming um, of the second seven crossing um, to the Prince of Wales yeah, Bridge. So it's a, you know, the problem I have is that Britishness in itself is a corrosive ideology. It's like communism. You, know, you can have people in the same party. It's not even an ethnic issue almost. And some people, the brother could be communist, the other person wouldn't. And it ends up not working. Or And Britishness, for me, is an ideology. It's not an ethnic ideo- identity. It's an ideology. Someone can buy in. They could be Welsh, they could be Scottish or English mm-hmm. by ethnicity. And it's just a bad deal. And yeah. what it does, it, it makes people kowtow and like in Annie Keynes' point, make a point of trying to name the bridge after a Prince of Wales who conquered us just because he wants to get favour and get an appreciation. And yeah. Yeah. That's the sort of system we're yeah. up against. Um, so as to avoid uh, further injustices uh, which damage our culture, our language and our landscape, we need agency over our own country and that's why I joined Yes Cymru. Yeah, well, we're very glad you've done and Talwyn, you joined. Were you press ganged by the Welsh people in Amherst? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'd, uh, I joined Yes Cymru. Yes. Um, and I, I've heard a lot of Yes Cymru before, and I actually wrote uh, an article in, in Breton when, uh, when it started in 2016, I think, in February. Yeah. And I, I wrote something about for a bit on magazine on it. And I found the idea very interesting because yes. I'm uh, also quite sceptical of to a certain extent, to uh, political uh, parties pushing for right. uh, uh, for independence, and I'm more, much more interested in, in the social side and, and designing a social so- society beforehand, yeah. before starting to just independent for the sake of independence and creating that process for yeah, uh, a society was what I was interested. In. But I didn't really join Yes Company. I followed it from a quite uh, from distance. From the distance, maybe. Because I don't thought maybe I was legitimate. I don't know. Yeah, I, I no. Maybe I didn't we'll take anyone. You know, you know, we're, we're desperate for anyone. You know, we'll take anyone. You don't bet on people. So <laughs> uh, maybe problems. I don't know if I was maybe not legitimate. Or something, but when Bethan came to uh, ask me if I wanted to join Yes, I thought it was maybe much more of um, maybe a space which I could actually listen from the Breton perspective as well yeah. to understand how um, obviously you copy and paste what's happening yes. in the UK or in Wales and Scotland. Yeah. Uh, from to Britney because of many different social and political uh, differences, yeah. but but at least to understand how the, the process of how it would work in Wales, and I joined Yes Mabel mainly yes. that to start, which is have at least uh, an understanding of how it would work. So I mean, people can follow Yes Mabel, mm-hmm. which is Yes students in Welsh, 
uh, Twitter accounts is in Welsh and English, is warm welcome to people of all backgrounds. Uh, we, we shouldn't feel the need to say this, but um, whatever background, Brett on Welsh and English, to join Yes Mother and get on board. I feel we almost have to reinvent Welsh nationalism. We've been moribund as a movement, as an ideology for about 40 years, from my point of view, since people like Gwyn are just writing stuff and getting involved with stuff. And we've also taken things for granted. And what I find exciting about Yes Kimmy is we're starting from the bottom up again with the music, with the, the gigs, with the football fans getting together, students getting stuff together. And we're reinventing uh, our nationality and our nationalism. So, Bethan, you decided, okay, we need to get something done for Yes Mother with mm-hmm. Yes students here in Aberystwyth. How did that happen? How, you know, let's be honest here. How many people are we involved? Because you know, sometimes people think, oh, you need hundreds of people. Do you need hundreds of people? No, you only need uh, 10 people to yeah. register uh, for right. it to become a society. In the university uh, here, the union. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's doable in certainly in Cardiff, Bangor, Swansea. 10 people together, names down. Yeah. Um, and then once you get uh, recognised by the Students' Union, did, is there any benefits um, to that? So initially I met with uh, the Students' Opportunities Manager and the President of IMCA, right. uh, which is Aberystwyth's Welsh Student Union. Welsh language, yeah. um, And I ran the idea past them, and they were happy with the sound of Yes, Mabherwyr. So I went on to fill uh, out an application form, yeah. um, which didn't take too long at all, um, and received confirmation after about two weeks of handing in the form um, that the form was successful and that we are now an official society on campus. So it's a very, very easy way of establishing Good. a society. And you'll have a stall at the forthcoming Freshers' Fair in Yeah, Aberystwyth. yeah, on the 24th. Excellent. Yeah. So there's a chance if you're listening here and you come to student to Aberystwyth for the first time or re in as a student, sign up with Yes Member, we get <coughs> involved. So what kind of things would you like, would you envisage organising in the future? What kind of things would you like to see yourself doing? Any ideas? Um, I think we just need to ensure um, a strong presence on campus, um, be it in the form of Yes Cymru stalls and events, uh, but also in the form of protest against any injustice uh, which Wales will undoubtedly and sadly be facing sometime in the future. Uh, campaigning in an open space uh, like on campus is it's very powerful uh, because you're going to attract attention, raise awareness, educate and reach out, reach out to people who do not normally have an allegiance to Welsh independence. And it's also about normalising the idea exactly, of independence. Exactly, that's the most important thing. What I think is important as well is to uh, take the society and take the group in other as well uh, causes, would it be social causes as well. The, the fact of having independence as such doesn't mean anything. It's ha- which society you want to create and which society you want to build from that. And so joining, uh, would it be... Um, a protest and supporting uh, staff or would it be um, you know working together with other societies mm-hmm. yeah. to show that actually the independent movement is to create a desire of something and not just for the sake of g- coming back to sort of ideas of, of sort of fake nation states yeah. but actually ha- desiring a way where we want to so live and be democratic. Yes Cymru is basically saying there's a better way of governing Wales yeah. so to a large extent the question of identity is almost not relevant to that, I think it is, but you can be of any identity, Breton, but still believe that's a better option for Wales than the current situation. Uh, and I think that's the important. And the other important message for people to realise is Yes, Cymru is not a party political movement. So no. you can be a member of any political party uh, or none, I think probably most are not of any political party. But as Talwin said, the idea is to get the message out that he, people hear about it, it's normalised, 
and it becomes a, a normal part of discussion, certainly with yourself, with student life. We want this to happen in all walks of life, don't we? Yeah, yeah, and definitely. It, it becomes mixed with other social movement as well, yeah. uh, so it doesn't stay within its own sort of corner, and that's something that in Brittany as well has been quite... Yes, uh, and the Bretons have been very good at organising a mass mobilisation uh, with the, the red caps doing stuff like that, and I think there's a lot of things we could learn from Brittany in terms of, again, visual sign to our process as well, make it exciting. And, and with the music, I think the Bretons are very good as well. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's an event, isn't it? But that has started as a, a, a movement uh, against um, unemployment or a movement yeah. against you know, people getting fired from certain um, jobs in yeah. factories. And, and all of them are linked together. Yeah. It's not a specific movement for independence, but a movement that is also a social one that needs to be linked all together. And yeah, so I mean, the idea of, of Britannia is a political idea, it's a political ideology, people can sign up to it, whatever their aspirations, same as if you believe in the royal family or you believe in communism or you believe in Thatcherism, it's a political idea uh, which we can break into. Yes, Company is open to people of all persuasions, but we believe that Wales would be better off as an independent nation state, yeah. and then we can decide on that. And I think almost any government in an independent Wales would be better than what we have at the moment. So you're looking to build, you're looking to have new members, you want people to join. Mm -hmm. um, maybe organise some events and certainly get some stuff going on campus in the future. If there are students in Swansea, Bangor, Cardiff, Met, South Wales, I'm sure they'd be more than welcome to get in touch with you. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you can get a contact name on Twitter or something yeah, uh, sure. so they can get in touch with any specific questions. But thanks for coming in. Is there anything else happening very, uh, except the freshers' face, something else happening? No. No. So we, but to be honest, it's... I know from experience, it's quite difficult to set up students' union um, movements very often because the turnover of students is so quick. Yeah, you just no, need one true. week year, year in terms of membership and that's the whole thing can collapse and then you just start again. Mm -hmm. So again, that turn of members is not impossible for any college in Wales, I don't think, but you need to get people together. I mean, yeah. one way of getting that is to start something on Twitter, Facebook and see who's mm -hmm. about to meet up in a pub or something and get going. And what, what, what like Bethan said at the beginning, it is not specifically having a specific high numbers on paper, yeah. but actually promoting and being heard, especially to, you know, I think it's a third of, of students who are from Wales, a third yeah. from England, and a third from yeah. uh, abroad. And it's just promoting really an idea that, well, independentism or s ideas of self-determination yeah. is not specifically linked to old school nation state, old school traditions of ideas of being separate and in yeah. its own corner, but how it is actually... Well, we want independence to make interdependence work better for us. Uh, maybe the next stage would be have a Twitter account for yes, Mavarabrasfit in particular. But in any case, thanks a lot for coming over tonight. Thanks for yeah, coming to Saudi. I'm sure you've never been here before, Bethan. Um, <laughs> but it's a great but If you're in the area, call over and say hello. We're going to go to an, a song next. The next song is a song I first heard in Pantakellin Hall in 1987. It's Cap in Hand by Proclaimers. My dad, Alan Jobbins, if he's listening, has seen an article. I don't know, I'm surprised he's so trendy at the time and seen since by the Proclaimers, and I couldn't believe how good they were. Just two uh, twin brothers from Edinburgh singing these songs in a very strong Scottish accent, which wasn't heard at all in the 1980s. And I remember talking to my good friend Colin Parry and saying, we really need something like this in English and Welsh. And it still hasn't quite happened. The alarm sort of came on after that. But for me, this is a fantastic song, uh, which we could, again could be singing in pubs and clubs across Wales and in football matches as well. So this is the Proclaimers with Cap in Hand. You're listening to Sean Jobbins here on Radio Yes Cymru. We've got about what, four to five minutes left of the programme, so stick around with us. Diochavar Bethan, Diochavar Talwin, and we'll see you again.
Yes, Cymru Radio, live from the Saudi pub in, in Aberystwyth. My name is Sean Jobbins. We've got about half an hour or so left of the programme. Uh, if you're interested in why the cockerel, I have an article in the Phenomenon of Welshness 1 uh, about Radio Keelog. So in the late 1950s, some Nationalist and Pride members were basically having a pirate broadcast across the TV stations at the end of the night to demand um, recognition for party political broadcasts for Pride Company, but also more content in Welsh and from Wales. And their kit, the code name they called for it was Keilog, which is cockerel in Welsh. Uh, with me is uh, Ellen uh, Royals, who is a lecturer at the University of Aberystwyth, a uh, lecturer in the International Politics Department. And she's talking about something very interesting, you cut us off when, uh, when the music stopped there, about some research which has gone on about identity in the education system in Wales and in Scotland. Ellen, what, what's going on? Yeah, so um, it's an ESRC-funded research project. Um, and we've been looking at uh, young people, and Talwyn's actually part of the project, but his is a more comparative dimension of the project. And, um, and he's looking at Corsica and the Brittany case. Um, and what we've been doing lots of different aspects to this project, but in particular speaking to young people um, about their views about the education system, the statutory education system, but also their involvement in youth organisations, etc. That's okay. how that's influencing their identity. And Bethan referred to, you know, this idea that maybe we don't know enough about our history until you actually come to university, do people hear about our history? And part of the project they've been working on is they're trying to understand what type of identities uh, is, are being promoted within the curriculum in right. Wales. And that would be what, just in terms of history classes or Not at all, across no, the, the board. broad curriculum. Excellent. Um, and what we've done is we've we've compared with England because one of the you know we know don't we there's a lot of attention being given to the fact that people feel that there's not enough n- knowledge about our Welsh history within the curriculum. Yeah. Um, we know also that the education system in Wales is different to England. There are lots of evidence of the type of structures of, of education system, the type of tests, etc. Yeah. There are vast differences, but we've tried to focus on the curriculum itself. Right. Uh, in part of the project. And look at, well, what are young people actually being taught? Right, okay. Um, and we've tried to analyse the curriculum according to different frames. So a national identity frame. Yeah. Are we seeing a Welsh identity being promoted or a British identity? Do we see a local, global right, uh, okay. frame? Are we seeing people being promoted to be part of their community or be global citizens okay and do we have a neoliberal frame is there an emphasis on being a neoliberal citizen of of thinking about your role as a uh, contributing to the economy and and to a prosperous society is employability and those kind of issues important within the curriculum i'm guessing there's a mixture of everything in there exactly there is a mixture uh, and what we try to do is to compare the curricula in England and Wales between 1998 to the current period. Right. 1988, sorry. Oh, right. So, so we went a back big to jump. the curriculum Cymraeg. So the curriculum I followed yeah, in exactly. the 1980s. Yeah, and, and I think what's fascinating was that the curriculum Cymraeg in 1988 was this, you know, it was a, in England, it was a big Thatcher development trying to control local government, trying, yeah. brought it, it brought in a lot of structures but it enabled Wales to develop a curriculum Cymraeg. Um, and a lot of really interesting ideas in that period about how to promote Welshness across the curriculum. Yeah. And of course, this is relevant to both 
Welsh medium schools and English medium schools. Yeah. And what we've seen since then are these really sincere efforts within policy to develop ideas about a Welsh curriculum. Right. Um, and they, they haven't worked in many respects. Right. Because we've also asked young people about their feelings. Yeah. And we've asked them about their identity. So young people in school now? Yes. And what they were telling us in, uh, in Welsh medium schools, yes, they have this quite strong sense that the education system is trying to influence their identity yeah. to speak Welsh, but also yeah. about being Welsh. Yeah. And they talk a lot about the impact of their Welsh language lessons, uh, poetry, and learning about Welsh history through that literature, through right, drama, okay. etc. Yeah. But when you speak to young people in, in, who haven't been through the Welsh medium education system, what you have is much more stereotypical images of Welsh, uh, what Welsh identity is. Right, okay. There are examples where they're trying to promote young people to go to the Eisteddfod to engage yeah. with ideas of Welshness, but it's really quite superficial. And, you know, also, similarly, um, there are things like Estyn reports that have suggested that that's about a third of schools in Wales. It was very difficult to see how different they were to schools in England. Right. So there's clearly problems, this kind of contrast between attempts to develop a curriculum conveyed... So how has that happened after 20 years of devolution? Yeah, well, as I say, this was happening before devolution, yeah. and it's continued as a problem. So some of the issues that we've identified in the research is that there's also this emphasis on, on the community right. and, and to reflect your area. Right. So even okay. though there are clear political statements and aims of being very Welsh in the curriculum, yeah. there's also this opportunity to respond to local circumstances. Right. So it's creating ambiguity in the curriculum itself. Right. And we've also tried to understand, well, what are the factors that are trying, that are stopping or, you know, hindering promoting a more distinctively Welsh curriculum both in, particularly, I think, in English medium schools. Yeah. Um, and I think we've come across, we've tried to analyse them using a framework, <laughs> yeah, as yeah. we do at university, and we've, uh, we've, we've looked at factors like the, the training system for teachers, right. the fact there is an English and Wales training system. Yeah. There are issues like resources that aren't there, um, so, you know, and the history lessons or the learning that yeah. teachers themselves. So there's a l cultural issue. There are also issues to think about um, the teaching unions. Yep. Most of the teaching unions operate on an England and Wales basis. I know we have a CAC yep. presence in the room. And, um, you know, that's the only distinctively Welsh curriculum. So the, there's a number of aspects of the infrastructure around education that are working in England and Wales terms. And also what I think we're also identifying in the research, which is becoming more, more, and, more and more critical, is the influence of more international dimensions of the need to um, bring in more uh, evaluation and assessment within the curriculum right. um, and you know it's PISA we're talking about global norms in education yes. um, and it's, it's shifting the emphasis right so basically it's a very mixed picture uh, one would have hoped um, we would keep the nuances al always I think and respect that uh, students and teachers and pupils are individuals but we'd hope maybe there's more coherent Welsh feeling to education across the board and maybe that's not happened then yeah exactly yes because you know we know that education is one of the main mechanisms that are used by states yeah. and sub-states as part of nation building yeah the media is another one yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. um and uh, exactly um and so you know it's quite uh, 
understandable that, that that's a place to create a distinct identity. Yeah. And I think also what's interesting in the project is that you know you have a combination of identities within the education, so you can be a Welsh global citizen. Yeah. Um, but I think what's what's really I think uh, shocked me was the extent to which it has been challenged challenging to develop a distinctive curriculum. Right. Um, because, and what does that me mean then in terms of the development of I identity of young people? And yeah. obviously, it's it's for the young people to respond to that yeah, message. Of course. You know, but, but I, if I you're not at getting that message at all, if you're not aware of living in a different country from the type of education system yeah. that you're having, there, I think there are some issues there. Well, some, someone has asked the point of, what is the point of having an assembly if it doesn't actually impact on that? But also, I mean, I would, I would hope there's some kind of a standard where anyone going through the education system in, in Wales, between English medium or Welsh medium, whatever, has a basic knowledge of some things in Welsh life and it's not seen as, a, as a, the other or some kind of peculiar, but it's intrinsic to the whole body's being in, in living in Wales. And that's quite not happened then. Uh, it doesn't seem so right. from our research. And as I say, the main contrast is between the language medium of, yeah. of education. Um, and I think I think the aims of the curriculum Cymraeg were very uh, ambitious, ambitious yeah. um, but also to be respected of trying to develop a distinctive yeah. identity within the curriculum. But the, you know, you can you can just track it. The yep. different attempts to bring forward proposals of how this can be promoted, yeah. how schools can develop this as a whole agenda, yeah. but it's clearly been difficult to implement or hasn't been, you know, fully uh, embraced by all schools in Wales. Right, which leads to a situation where a lot of kids are leaving school, quite ignorant maybe of of Welsh society and Welsh history, uh, which they can uh, choose then to leave Wales or whatever, uh, and also with some I would. I would dare say some ac anachronistic views towards Welsh culture is seen in some way as being anach anachronism. Well, I think I think there's a risk in two ways. One, as you say, that there are limited levels of awareness. Yeah. That there's a st stereotypical ideas of what Welsh identity means, yeah. rather than having much more a civic and a whole. Yes, and, and a more you know rounded view yeah. of Welsh identity. Because when you look at some of these documents, it's amazing. So there was one on community understanding developed in the 80s, uh, beginning of the 90s, that tried to develop a sense of what does Welsh multiculturalism look like. Yeah. So people like Tony Schiavone and yeah. the teacher in Cardiff who was a headmistress, you know, working yeah. together to develop these ideas. So I think they're still now uh, very groundbreaking and still we're still not there in terms yeah. of what people are arriving at. And I think the other risk is that people equate Welshness with the language solely. Yeah. Um, and our research shows that actually there are problems with uh, teaching Welsh in schools, we know that already, yeah. but at least young people um, recognise the importance of the language. A number of them sen uh, express a sense of regret that they actually didn't ha weren't taught better or weren't aware of why it would have been more, um, why would they, they would have benefited from yeah. it. Um, when they were actually being taught Welsh. Yeah. Um, and they do have positive attitudes towards language. But I think a nation-building agenda, whatever yeah. your goal, whether yeah. your goal is, is being a devolved nation or right. an independent yeah. nation, I think um, the type of identities that the education pr s uh, system 
would be expected to be promoting would be more than uh, that, basically. We're uh, speaking to Dr. Elliot Lawrence from Aberystwyth University in Social Politics Department here, discussing identity within the school system in Wales. We'll be drawn to a close in a minute, Elliot. But, I mean, looking to the future, do you think things... We always think things will develop, but maybe they're not. Are they just going to be one step forward, two steps back, or how is it going to go, do you think? Well, we're all in the context of the Donaldson Review and the whole new curriculum in Wales, and clearly it's an exciting time. Um, but I think also we're still seeing this sense of giving schools the decision-making powers to decide on the curriculum in the school themselves, yeah. which is obviously empowering. Mm. But what does it mean in terms of the type of identities that, we will, that will be promoted? There's a risk that we'll see the same type of pattern of, yeah. of these vast contrasts uh, within the education system in Wales. Um, and you know, there's, they've moved away from the idea of a curriculum can rig yes. to emphasise being a Welsh global citizen, right. which is obviously sounds very positive, um, and I, I hope it does work, but I'm, I'm not clear what this is going to mean in practice. And similarly, um, you know, there's much more of a focus on enabling, uh, on, on learning Welsh within the curriculum across schools, and it's important, but is that going to become the sole identifier of Welsh identity under the new curriculum and emphasised to such an extent that these other elements that were included within the yeah. curriculum aren't going to be developed uh, Well, in there's always schools. danger in ways, and just me speaking now, that global equals not being Welsh and it's some kind of dog whistling and it's me saying this for avoiding stuff to do with, to, to with Wales and global usually equals English, so that's my that's my concern. Well, I, I would I would disagree. I'd right. say that we we have a, a strong sense of Welsh internationalism. We do, we do, and therefore you can you can um, you can adopt ideas such as global to to reflect we the context in which you're in. Do, but I'm not convinced some people in power will do that, and it'll be used as um, some kind of dog whistling to tone down the Welsh element. Yeah, well. It is a risk, and I think it's about how you express these things, uh, and, and what kind of guidance are given. Because yeah. I think the, the I think the strong history of Welsh internationalism is something that should be integral to young people's understanding. And I'm always fascinated by new examples that I hear myself yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. And I've been doing quite a lot of work on Welsh international relations, and I'm still finding new <laughs> examples. Um, and you think, wow, this is fantastic. Um, so, you know, ideas such as global do not necessarily have to have these negative connotations. They can be uh, part be of a distinctive Welsh yes, curriculum. And, and that's what you want to happen. Dr. Elian Doyle, there's a question for you directly on your Twitter account by Phil Davis. So maybe after the programme, uh, you can have a look to see what uh, Phil's asking you. But thanks a lot for coming into a studio here to Saudi. We're starting to get a bit rowdy now. People come in for a pint. Um, we go for a song. We can have a song by. Oh, this is the fantastic song by the Barry Horns, who are the vanguard of the Welsh uh, cultural renaissance at the moment. And this is their song. This is Wales.
Mayo Chili, Anis Moore, Abelvedo, Abergurveni, Abedavern, Abelsorge West, Bellinog, Capital UM, Busk, Maylod, Car, 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 Cardiff. Nice one. Yes Cymru Radio Radio Free Wales Yes You're listening to Yes Cymru Radio from Thewdy number 3 and um, we've had a question for Ellen, Dr Ellen Lloyds of the University of Aberystwyth from Phil Davis Ellen, um, would Ellen differentiate between Cymreictod Welshness in English medium primary and secondary schools I have been very impressed says Phil recently in the primary sector e.g. Incidental Welsh usage by teachers, so teachers using the Welsh language in English medium schools. Yeah, she okay. feels impressed with this. So, so our research has focused most on like uh, sixteen to eighteen year olds. So, because we've kind of considered this as a kind of pivotal moment right, okay. in identity construction. Kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's not quite. Uh, that's a bit uh, too like an academic paper. Yeah. But um, I think, I think, I think what this is part of the point I'm trying to get to. Should Welshness just be about usage of the language in English medium schools, or should it be more than that? Right. And I think I think it's really positive, and this is it is part of what the Donaldson Review is trying to do: is increase the usage of the Welsh language in schools, whatever medium schools they right, are. And clearly, okay. that's positive, but I think there's more to it than that. I'd hope the more ambitious aspect is to develop this aspect of what does it mean to develop young people and, and provo- promote them to be citizens of Wales and the world. Right. And so, so you'd like to see a stronger emphasis on that and a cohe- more coherence in how that's developed and yes. de- de- delivered. because it's more than... I hope it's more than language. Yeah. If, if Wales is to thrive as a, as a nation yeah. and if people are going to identify with being Welsh, it needs to be more than than a language. Right, good. Well, thanks for answering yeah. uh, Phil's question there, Ellen. Yeah. And Ellen's about to leave. And um, and uh, Talat Chowdhury is going to sit into her seat. Before Talat, I'll allow Talat to have a quick sip of his pint, if you'd like. Um, we've a quick announcement. There is a Banners on Bridges. This is a fantastic idea. Uh, Baneri Arpontis. So people put in Yes Cymru flags on bridges, uh, crossways. They're up in Pontypridd last Saturday. We looked very good. The boys, the men of Gwent in uh, Pontypool will be doing a few times and they've got more and more numbers every time. But tomorrow, the Swansea Jacks... Oh, is it 
Morriston Monkeys uh, doing it. So um, I'll just read out with basically that on the in preparation for the Swansea City match tomorrow afternoon, Saturday, Banners and Bridges by uh, the Swan Pub, the crossing. So if you go to Yes Abertawe, you'll see the, the tweet and probably Yes Company has retweeted this and we have as well. 12 o'clock, the, the, the bridge over the road by the Swan Pub and then they're going to be leafleting with some Yes Company leaflets outside the Liberty State Stadium for the football match from half past one onwards. So 12 o'clock, the bridge by the Swan Pub Yes Cymru flags, banners there to show people the support for independent Wales and then going on to the Liberty to leaflet and leaflets out about Welsh independence. So a big, big thumbs up to the people in Swansea and Yes Abertawe uh, for doing that. Uh, Talat Chaudhry, he's the Mayor of Aberystwyth. He's the Chair of Yes Cymru Aberystwyth as well. But he's not from Aberystwyth. So Talat, tell us a bit about you and then we'll have a chat about the kind of things happening here in Aberystwyth. Um, well, I'm lucky enough to be the mayor of Aberystwyth within my 20th year in this town. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Essex. I'm, I consider myself a Punjabi, but I, 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 before I was 18, I lived in Essex. I, uh, I went to Oxford briefly and have lived much of the rest of my life, well, almost all the rest of my life in Aberystwyth. <laughs> I'm in the same situation, uh, Talat. So, Talat, this is the great thing again about your company. We say we don't differentiate on people's background or their sexuality or anything. We want to build a new Wales, mm. and that Wales has to be better than the Wales we have now. And um, we've had discussion here in Yes, Cymru, Aberystwyth. Some people are concerned that the use of the word, and I think deliberately of nationalism, white nationalists, some way implicates that you know the, the Welsh nationalists or Scottish nationalists or Catalan nationalists are in the same boat, when clearly we're not. And it's something we're quite keen to, to press forward. So as um, a Punjabi, a person of Punjabi descent, from England with an English accent and everything. I mean, j- just so that we have it on the record, Ch- Talat, do you feel comfortable in Yes Cymru? Is it something, or d- is it sometimes you don't feel comfortable? Or? I feel extremely comfortable. I wouldn't be the chairman of Yes Cymru, <laughs> but I, I, would if I wasn't comfortable with it. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I, you know, I, just to clear up who I am, I, I also, I've been a, Wel- a Welsh teacher for adults. You know, I, yeah. I, I've learned Welsh and I've seen other people learning Welsh and I, I put a lot of my effort into in, into the language. But the language isn't what this is all about. Yeah. This is not a Welsh language group. This is, yeah. a, this is a political group. It is yeah. political, yes. but it's not party political. That's exactly. very important. Yes. That's, that's who we are as Yes Company. Yeah. I have observed, I came from a background where I didn't particularly, I didn't start off my life as a Welsh nationalist, and I am now. Yeah. And the reason for that is over the last 20 years living here, I've seen, I, I, I've seen enormous underinvestment, in, particularly in the, in, in the, in the bulk of Wales, in the, yeah. in the small towns and villages, um, but, but in Wales as a whole compared to, to England. And, and I've seen a democratic deficit yeah. that it's not good for, for Wales. Wales is uh, it's a, it's a polity. It's a group of people who identify as, uh, as, a, as a country. You know, that's, that's the way thing, that's, that's the history. That's the, yeah. the, that's the fact. And I don't think that's all about language. I think there's much, something that runs much deeper about Welshness than that. I, 20 years ago, I came here and I had the greatest welcome I've ever had, and I've never really felt that that welcome was stopped for any moment yeah. that I've been here. I still feel it just as much today. That's good to hear. And I've, I've had that as well from as a person from Cardiff. So we, um, so yeah, get closer maybe to the mic. So and then you've, you've, you've learned Welsh, you're now a Welsh teacher, you also speak Breton, mm-hmm. uh, yes, so right. you can have a chat with Ta- Talwin here. Mm. Um, and that's in, you felt that sort of added to your identity or t- distracted from it? How would you say it? Well, um, 
I don't know. I mean, you know, the, we, we have a, a set of, of countries here that aren't. I mean, I, I, independence doesn't mean that Wales is not going to have anything to do with in, England or Scotland <laughs> isn't going to have anything. To do. That's, that's yeah, ludicrous. Exactly. We live on a small island where you yeah. have you have to live with your neighbours and, and yeah. you have to get on with them pretty well. Yeah. So independence is about political control and is a, is about doing the right thing for for Wales and yeah. and, and creating a, a political structure that works. And we've got one that doesn't. Um, I, you know, I I I find that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm completely comfortable here. This is my this is my home. Yeah. I don't count myself Welsh, but that's more out of politeness to sort of not trying to take over somebody else's identity right. and reinvent myself. No, I am what yeah. I am. Yes. I'm the product of my times. Yes. But I care very deeply about about Wales. It's yeah. my home. Yeah. And it's it's my country. That's good. To hear. Now the interesting thing as well, you're the, as I said, you're the, the mayor of Aberystwyth. You're the mayor on a Plaid Cymru ticket. Yes. So why maybe people ask? So why then get involved with the Company as well? Isn't and we are not going to party political so much, but why join Yes Company as well? Did you feel there was a, the gap in the market, if you like, or did you feel maybe Plaid weren't doing enough, or did you feel maybe there needs to be a, a broader uh, grouping, which is for people who are not in a political party? Um, Plaid Company stands for independence, and that's fine. With my Plaid Company hat on. Um, I argue for independence as well as in, in a different way yeah. in a party political forum uh, but there's, when I'm representing Yes Company then I'm trying to convince different audiences yeah. and I think that's important it's important for different political parties and people of no political parties to work together and, that's, and I try to keep those things separate so yeah. when I'm applied a Yes Company event I don't get party political about it and it's very important that yeah. we keep, keep those different things separate but at the same time yes independence any party yeah, uh, there are people in the Labour Party who want independence. Mm, po- possibly not all of them, but yeah. I can't speak for everybody. Yeah, um, I'm happy to talk to them as, as and a, a, as a member of Yes Company for independence as well. Absolutely. And uh, so Yes Company Aberystwyth has been quite active recently. There's been a few events happening. We've had a discussion with Dr. Simon Brooks and Dr. Daniel Williams on Wales yeah. post Brexit in the new place in Pembroke, the, the big estate here. And we also, what I think, probably the first ever economic forum on an independent Wales. How did that go? Well, the, the, the first event was us testing the waters a little bit, yeah. and it went, it went in, incredibly well. I was surprised to see the, the range yeah. of the audience, yes. people who would, you wouldn't necessarily expect to see there, who are thinking about, who may not be convinced, but, yeah. but who, who have a deep interest in the subject, because yeah. they're seeing that this is, this is the political direction yeah. that Wales is either going in or having to consider it. So yeah. it's now a, a serious part of our politics. Um, that went well as a, as a first event, um, brilliantly well, I think. Um, but the second event went even better, very, very well attended. I couldn't believe how many people turned up. Yeah. Um, couldn't believe how, how, how many new subjects were, were discussed, were broached uh, yeah. um, e- about the economy. It was, and, and those, that, those, those, that just needs to be a seed for further yeah. discussions. Yeah, so I mean, the, the conference on in the economics of an independent was held at the National Library of Wales. If I'm right, I'm saying I think it's still up on the Abbas, yes, Aberystwyth Facebook mm. uh, password recorded. What I found quite interesting, there was a paper there by Gitta Gwilym from Bangor University on the use of land value tax, so move, shifting taxation away from labour, from wages, mm. more onto the value of land. So that if someone has a big house, they need to pay more taxes. Mm. At the moment, is uh, it's not so fair. And I've seen Adam Price is now talking about this in his manifesto, I, I, I wouldn't credit that just to a movement, but I think it shows a lot of ideas the Yes Company are discussing are starting to go into mainstream in other places as well. It may be independently mm. of us, but I, I would suggest maybe we're in the stream of thinking now. And as you say, Talat, I think a lot of people came to those meetings who were quite open to the idea 
maybe not coming, especially the first meeting of an independent words, but thinking, yeah, this is something we need to at least discuss and be aware of, and it mm. can be an option for the future. I think what we're doing there, and that land value tax is one of those big ideas. Yes. Um, um, uh, you know, another one would be basic income. Those sorts yeah. of things are being talked about in smaller countries yes. like Wales, and in, yeah. in smaller smaller countries, whether independent or yeah, not. Yes. Whereas larger countries are tending to be much slower, or yeah. try doing them as sort of experiments in certain towns, yeah. which are coming to nothing and that sort of thing. But but land value tax, it's not necessarily a right wing or a left wing no. idea. It depends on the balance of taxes. Yes. But it is addressing an important issue: is that some taxes are less progressive and less fair to the compared to the ability yeah. of people to pay than others. And so, so whatever we need to discuss, I think we're Adam Price's comments are only about the beginning of a conversation yeah. there. Land value tax is certainly an interesting thing. It could be, it could be a key to economic development in Wales. Yeah, now, exactly. I want to have that discussion because the important thing is there hasn't been enough economic development a lot of, across most of Wales, if not all, yeah. and there needs to be. That's why the only thing that's stopping, stopping, keeping us back from independence, that's that's fueling that argument. Oh, we can't afford it. Yeah is the lack of investment. That can be turned around, and countries have turned it around before. There's yes. no reason why Wales can't do that too. Exactly. And tomorrow, yes, Aberystwyth, I go up to Machynlleth, which is not in Aberystwyth, but it's uh, to try and you know, to get together some kind of people in the town, which is 18 miles away from Wales, the first parliament held there, of course, um, to set up a Yas Cymru branch in Machynlleth. So we're going to be on the mm. stall outside the clock, 10 till 12 tomorrow. So if you're in the area, if you're in Machynlleth, call over, Say hello. We're going to have a coffee and cake later on in Cafe Alice, so it'll be a nice informal chat as well. Stay mm. with us, uh, Talat. It's, uh, you're listening to Radio Yes Cymru with me, Sean Drawins. Talat Chowdhury has just been talking about Yes Aberystwyth. Next to me is Tleki Aeron, who's been doing the decks and the, the technical side to us today. Uh, and she's here uh, from the Yes LGBT. I got it right. Hey. I thought this, uh, some, I said something like Yes BLT or something <laughs> horrendous like that at the beginning of the programme with Nerve. So. Welcome to the programme. Uh, so, Tleki, you're with the LGBT community, if I can say that. Yeah. Uh, I think just last week, out of nowhere, uh, Yes Cymru LGBT Twitter account started, so follow them. We, we'll retweet that so you can follow them themselves. How does that make you feel? Do you feel this is something which is important? Uh, yeah, you know, there's, there's definitely people that will feel more welcome and open to be able to join something like Yes Cymru if there's more of an LGBTQ branch because there's more of a welcome to you, there's people that are more familiar to you, people that experience similar sort of background problems and things like that with you and it's something that we all believe in together but there's also a unique little aspect that we can all side with together as well. So I think maybe there's some people who are maybe in the LGBT community, maybe a little hesitant as all people are, Mm. maybe have questions but they feel maybe they'd be more comfortable broaching those questions, discussing those questions within an LGBT community, first of all, mm. or as a gateway, if you like, yeah. and then maybe jumping into Yes Cymru later on. Yeah, you know, joining all new things really is scary, isn't it? It's more yeah. scary when there's something about you that is questioned, and yeah. you don't just come out once, you come out every time you meet a new person, really, mm. and some people will take that badly, and if you are joining a new party or like a movement, as yeah. Yes Cymru is, it's scary to think that you're gonna not only have to kind of explain your reasons for being there and have the whole opinions and things of different people thrown at you. You're gonna have maybe someone take that badly and that is a very scary prospect. So if you're in a space where you know that you were accepted for who you are and who you love, 
and you can still talk about all those issues that yes can really stand for yeah. but you aren't going to be turned away and you yeah. are going to be able to speak to someone without being looked down upon or maybe you know sort of frowned upon by some people yeah and as we say on our Twitter account Saturday when you graciously said you were able to do the programme today you know <laughs> what's the point of having a free Wales if Welsh people don't feel free in that country you know yeah. we've lost too many every year we lose too many young people it breaks mm. my heart they're going away for jobs they're not coming back they're going away for university not coming back but we just can't afford to be so negligent no. of our people we need to keep people here make sure they have a life experience and enjoy going yeah. abroad and stuff but you know we cannot be so negligent and throw people away because of who they love that's my point of view no definitely you know it's it's a sad thing that people are thrown out of their homes and it's a sad thing that in this day and age you are still being asked to come out, you know? Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that, personally, I've had both aspects of it. I've had people not lifting their heads from newspapers when I've told them. Yeah. And I've had people not speaking to me for three or four weeks yeah. or even longer afterwards. Yeah. And it's something that if you've got that space, like LGBT Yes Cymru, yeah. you've got that space then where you've got people who are like-minded to you and people who will stand with you and do all sorts of different things so at events like pride yeah it's great to be able to have yes Gumry flags flying as yeah. well as yeah, all the course. rainbows and everything else going yeah. on in the background and i think it's important to make the message for yes Gumry that we are people of all different kind of backgrounds mm. not just political opinions that's no, just yeah. important as well but there's all kind of and all kinds of things from different ethnic backgrounds and different sexual and that's something we are need to make sure that people understand because we're not mm. part of this alt-right the yeah, nice yeah. word for Nazis. Uh, <laughs> you know, we are not the part of that no. crowd of people. We are mm. creating a civic identity. We are Scottish, our Catalan friends. They understand what it's about. Mm. There's some basic things we agree with. And we want to make sure there's a welcoming place for people. So, I mean, how would you... I don't know what's happening with the Yes Cymru LGBT community at the moment. Mm. But how? what kind of things would you like to see them doing? What kind of things would you con- contribute towards them? Uh, you know, it would be great to see them doing more events and showing up at events like Freshers Fair, like um, Yes Maverwyr were doing. Yeah. If you've got a couple of leaflets and stuff that you can give out that are specific to... It should go on the Yes Company store, that'd be a good idea. Yeah, that would be a good thing to draw people in and get people's interest as well, you know. it's yeah. If you feel welcome, you are going to feel more inclined to join something, as yeah. well as doing stuff that is more open, like Pride. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a great fun event that everybody can join in, and yeah. it's still pushing that kind of recognition that we are there and we are going to be heard and we are going to be silenced yeah. in the corner. And, and you know, Wales needs to be a, an interesting place to live as well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. You know, I can see this as a white, Welsh-speaking nationalist. <laughs> I want different types of Welshness as well. I don't want one type of Welsh. I love the traditional Welsh language and mm. culture. I love that and I, I would never disparage that and I wouldn't no. want to. No. But I want new types of Welshness that, as well to make it exciting to live here and to feel part of something exciting. And you know, we need to get um, the theme of this programme to get more music and stuff going. Yeah. Um, Talat, I don't know, how do you feel about this? Do you think there's something more we could be doing as a movement? Or is it okay as it is? Or are there, there, are there any other types of group, like maybe the SLGBT, or the other types which we could look, okay, we need to create a space for people who maybe, you know, want their own cultural space, if you like, mm. uh, to be part of the S company. What do, you, what do you think of that? Cultural diversity is everything. I'm always banging my, I'm always banging my drum about diversity <laughs> because it happens, as a, as a, as a councillor, it happens to be a legal duty upon me and all other right. councillors at any level of local yeah. government, the, 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 county, the county or your community council or your tra- town, whatever. Um, it matters a lot. And I've, gotten, I've got involved, I've, t- I've been trying to, trying to 
help the, the, the Pride and the Prom group get that back together now, and Aberystwyth, it, it doesn't seem like it's happening this year for, yeah. te- for various logistical reasons, yeah. but it may happen in the near future. Um, yeah, I absolutely agree with what you said about cultural diversity. For a culture, for any culture to live, it must be forward-looking and it must be prepared to change. And there's no there's no life without for a culture or for a person without without change, um, without 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 engaging with the rest of the world. Um, strong cultures, small small or large, are those that engage with the rest of the world. Independence doesn't have to be frightening. Um, small countries and their cultures and their diverse cultures are part of the richness of the world, you know. And, yeah, and it's not a fr- frightening thing that you, you then want to have a little bit of local democracy, you know. And that's, <laughs> that's what this exactly. comes down to, just running your own affairs. It's not that frightening. Right, I think we're going to have to finish the programme there tonight. I've got to say thanks to Mans and the Llewdi uh, for hosting us tonight. Um, to all the staff here, Radio Becca, who are doing a fantastic job on the technical side, uh, Cymru FM was 24-hour non-stop Welsh music, which this will revert back to after this programme. So thanks, Mackie G, for giving us the platform. Uh, thanks to Gaynor, who's been doing sort of tweeting and Facebook and keeping us untouched. Thanks to Caris Mai, who's been uh, keeping an eye on us and helping us set up. And to Lori Vron and to Thakey uh, Aaron. I think Ivan, well, these are different names. <laughs> My name's Sean Jones. I'm going to finish off with this song. It's a song called Sing Africana Sing. It's a song in Afrikaans. And this is something we touched on. Africans, not a good press in terms of um, doing some pretty huge and horrible things uh, in the last 50 years. But what I seem to be happening at the moment, the African speaking community realise most African speakers are not white. They're mostly Cape Colours. There's about 100,000 black people who speak Afrikaans as first language. And they need to embrace every African speaker for that language and culture to live. So this is a song called Man Called Bok Le Blerk. His videos on YouTube. We'll send it on to you. And it basically means a point. There's about 6.7 African speakers, about 60% of them not white. Uh, and you want to join them together, together, learn from the mistakes they did, and create a new uh, dynamic culture. And I think that's the kind of lessons we, in Wales, we need to get together and create this new dynamic culture. So, so, th- so this is Sing Africana Sing. And with that, we'll finish our first language uh, edition of Radio Yes Company in English. And we'll be back on the air sometime in the future. We want your feedback. We want you to know what you think about it. We'll be putting online some kind of question in the future. So we'll react to that. Any uh, things you'd like to see us do more of or less of. Uh, there is a quick uh, mention. Someone from Yes um, Company Preselli says we got this is the last day to react to the uh, the fruits free school meals. So have a look at that. If you're in the Swansea area, go over to Marston, twelve o'clock by the Swan Pub, banners on streets. And if you're in the tomorrow, ten till twelve by the clock. Yes, Aberystwyth will be there, and then Cafe Alice for a nice cup of tea and coffee. So we'll fin- finish with seeing Africana saying till next time. From me, Sean Jobbins, Radio Yes Company, Diochenwaal. Thank
van plekke is terug. Lijk dan ver maar een spoor jou deur, kan jy sien hoe die volge mekaar verskeer, en was niks my vriend, niks wat dit kan keer nie. Van die dag sal kom dat die koning val, en die plek moet maak vir die generaal, wat op uit oorleid met sy eie mense. Alles moet verander, die wiel sal een dag draai. van plekke is terug. Radio, yes. independent yes. news and views from independent nations. Yes. Yes.